Welcome to Reviewing. On this podcast, we find the movies from my dad's youth, then we discuss them. Today is Beverly Hills Cop, and welcome to the world of Eddie Murphy, Henry. Eddie Murphy is the star of the show in basically every way. It's part comedy, part action, but really, in the end, just a vehicle for Eddie Murphy to do Eddie Murphy things and to be incredibly funny. It um, brings us along to a familiar character actor. You can hear that later in the show. There's a good light bulb moment for Henry when he says, Oh, that bad guy, I recognize him. Um, It also is very 1984 in lots of very, very fun ways. Fashion music, jokes. Um, We're not going to get into the fact that I also used to listen to Eddie Murphy's stand-up on cassette tape, um, because that's a whole other area that is just not where I'm ready to take my son quite yet. Beverly Hills Cop is definitely a classic to me. Mm-hmm. How about for you? Had you heard about it? I hadn't heard about it. I mean, you had like mentioned it once or twice, but I hadn't really heard about it or knew what it was before we talked about watching it and then did watch it. Okay. So that's not quite classic, but like, right. once you watch the movie, you, like, then calling it a classic does make more sense. Okay. Me. Okay. So I'm getting a first indicator that you like it. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy at that time, 1984, was, if not the biggest, on his way to being the biggest star. Mm -hmm. He did comedy, Saturday Night Live, movies. He even mm, sang some, had an album. Maybe we can put that in there. Oh, Oh, terrible, terrible song. We have to put that in there. But but, uh, at the time, he thought he could do anything, and frankly, he could. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this showed it. so I, I mean, because I, I had heard of him before. Yeah, yeah. He he was the one person I had heard of before, you know, because I knew that he was sort of the most popular comedian, and he did Trading Places, who I had heard of. Yes, yes, know, we like, could definitely put that on the yeah. list, Trading Places. Um, do you know Eddie Murphy from anywhere else? I think he was the donkey in Shrek. He was yeah. the donkey in and Shrek. And that was a bit past his time, or past his prime. Yeah, but... Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny. I don't know whether Eddie Murphy is still. I mean, he's not headlining movies, but I don't know if he's, he's still in movies. Still, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. You know, we when we talk about the podcast, we say action movies or comedies, and I think that the movies we've done so far have fallen into either, either of those categories. Yeah. I'm not sure this has a genre. This was a bit of both, actually. Right. It sort of mixed the two, which I thought was good. Definitely. You know, because you could have the comedy, just straight up jokes, Mm -hmm. which they had. Yes. And you could also have, like, the almost, like, make fun of the action movie, action movie. Right, right. Which they did. I I agree. I agree. So, in thinking about that, something I wrote down, um, what that there's a lot of Eddie Murphy being and doing Eddie Murphy. And when I wrote that down... That's kind of like Bill Murray. Yeah, and I wrote that down. But but also, part of Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy is doing different things, right? When we talked about Stripes, Bill Murray being Bill Murray is is one guy. Mm -hmm. 
Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy is being funny, wisecracking Eddie Murphy. But then one of his comedy things he does really well is the, I'm going to be serious now. Mm-hmm. Right? And he did that more than a couple yeah. times. And it's really funny. Um, and then there's also um, the, the Eddie Murphy where he um, puts on puts on a role, whether he pretends to be foreign or pretends mm-hmm. to be gay or pretends mm-hmm. to be red. So it's, and again, these are all things that made him what he was what yeah. he was right which is which is which is, which is definitely one of his big because remember he gets started on Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. where he's playing different characters for four, yeah. four minutes at a time mm-hmm. initial thoughts initial impressions initial things you want to chat about I mean I really did like it mm-hmm. I thought it was really funny and like and like they didn't force jokes ever which I thought mm-hmm. was really good too because yeah. sometimes you watch a comedy and it's really funny but like the joke's come sort of like forced and they're not natural right but but with this i thought they were all natural and like they all led to something i would agree i would you agree. know like yeah all the jokes or the skits sort of led into a plot point right which was good so none of the jokes felt random or like thrown in there i think or too fast i think i noticed and maybe yeah. this is a product of the time the the pacing mm-hmm. i don't want to say it was slow but it wasn't like they had it to throw fast. jokes at us yeah which I thought was good because it, it gave you time to like breathe a little bit. Yes. And sort of digest and be like, oh, that was really funny before you have to laugh again. Basically. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think of, of the movies we've done for the podcast and for other movies you've seen. Does this movie take the cake for the most number of F words you've heard in a probably. 90, 100 minute stretch? During a movie, yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, during, during a movie. So you're saying there's other times in your life where you've heard it more yeah. often? Family gatherings, perhaps? <laughs> Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like, but they didn't feel like forced to. No, but they you weren't know, like cursing they up, to curse. Yeah. They were cursing because, well, that's a lot of what Eddie Murphy did. Mm-hmm. Um but 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 also it was sort of within the flow. I mean, we're talking cops and bad guys. That's kind of what happens, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, a couple a couple of things I noticed um, in the opening credits, uh, the movie was produced by somebody a name I didn't recognize and Jerry Bruckheimer. So Jerry Bruckheimer okay. was the second name, but Jerry Bruckheimer went on. He has made some of the largest big blow em up movies in the nineties and two thousands. I like think what? Jerry Bruckheimer has like started the Transformers franchise. Oh, wow. I feel like he made ones about like blowing up asteroids and things like that. So wow. uh it's funny because I had him in mind. I thought, Oh, I don't remember there being a lot of Jerry Bruckheimer ish stuff. Yeah. But then the first car chase through Detroit. Oh yeah, that was. That's cool. a lot of damage. Yeah, as they say in the Flexil commercial. I mean, that was really cool. I mean, like, I uh, think one of the things that made the movie like classic and good is that they did both comedy and action well. Yes. You know, they didn't sacrifice comedy for action or action for comedy. And I think that first chase scene, the very first scene of the movie, is a great example, right? They're setting it up with the action as a cop bust, but. But still, Eddie Murphy being actual Foley, the cop, is 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 being funny. And then also, even and then chasing, the chase, he's swinging he's around like in the chain. Around around like, the yeah, chain, you know, like they made it funny while actually having like a good solid chase scene. Right, right, definitely. As the truck smashes through yeah, things, and which was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I also need to know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Uh, while while we're in the process of making a podcast, you know, I listen to other podcasts too. And one mm-hmm. of these podcasts is about the city of Detroit. Okay. 
So uh, Axel Foley's boss, Inspector Todd, the guy who basically is, when you see him in the movie, he's yelling at Axel. Um, that is actually the chief of police of the city of Detroit at that time. Really? His name is Gil Hill. And he uh, was famous for being telegenic. He didn't mind uh -huh. being on TV at all. Yeah, so then he actually acted. Wow. So then he actually acted, and that was actually the chief of police. And playing playing a general, an inspector, yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I only found that out in this past year or yeah. something like that. But then cool. when I saw him, it's interesting because you know, I heard his voice, and I thought, wait a minute. And then they <laughs> told me in the podcast that he was like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. him. Definitely. Um, uh, other other things that you you know jump off the page for you. Uh, the soundtrack was very good. Oh good yeah, but there. Well, okay, the heat is on. Is okay. an absolute banger. Yes, because the heat is on. on. Yeah, yeah. That that is. Was that written for the movie? I don't know. I mean, it could have. I been. sort of hope it was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> definitely, because it was just like so, like, there's no way that someone wrote that not for this movie. Well, I it mean, fits it so perfectly. Opens the movie perfectly. It does totally agree. And then we go from there during. So that opens the movie opening credits, right? And then we go into the chase scene with the Pointer Sisters Neutron dance. Yes, I mean, but I, I, we can definitely make fun of the Pointer Sisters Neutron dance. But during the chase scene, having a, having that sound yeah. was perfect. Yeah, like they took these terrible songs and they made them fit yep. somehow. Next song, we go to, it's it opens up when he goes to Beverly Hills and he's driving through. Now that's just funny, just seeing him. That's I mean, that's one. him saying nothing, but just seeing him yeah. sort of pull faces and, yeah. and engage with stuff. Um, and the song's called Stir It Up. It also ends the movie. I'm pretty sure that's Patti LaBelle. Okay. Uh, but and again, right? I'm not choosing Patty LaBelle on my Spotify, but it worked. But it worked. It, yeah. Right. That, that's the thing. It's that all the things, soundtrack, jokes, faces, whatever, they worked in yes. this movie. Okay, now I have to ask you about the, the, the music. There is a light motif that continues to recur. Yeah. Okay, you want you want to give us a little hum with it? Well, I don't remember it. I, I just remember that it do 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 yeah. do. Okay, I gotta tell you. That song was written for the movie. Uh, but I've heard that song other places. The title is Axel F, right? Yeah. And it's by Herbie Hancock, who's a famous jazz guy, who at that point had, had sort of morphed into the electronic music synthesizer type jazz, thing. Jazz, yeah. That song got radio airplay. Yeah, because I've heard that yeah. before. Yeah, I mean, but like, who would have thought that this random <laughs> soundtrack song with no words to it, yeah. right? But that song actually got radio airplay. Yeah. I counted it coming up eight different times in the movie. Well, it makes sense. It's, it's a light motif. It's supposed to. It's a light motif. But when you think about a light motif, you don't think about synthesizer music. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Times are changing. Yeah. Or, or they or were changing. Changed. Or, yeah, exactly. Times change, past tense. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Um, another famous thing about which is sound, but not um, not music, was Eddie Murphy's laugh is totally iconic. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. And I love it that, I remember this, I love it that uh, the actress, Jenny, in the movie, does it, yeah. makes fun of him. It almost seemed like the way that Eddie Murphy reacted in that, it seems like that was that almost way. improv. Yeah. Because he, he laughed hard yeah. when that happened. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that that was really funny. And like, you could tell that some of it may have not been scripted, which I thought made it much better. So, so are you saying that you thought there were some other scenes that maybe they were riffing? 
I, I, I don't know. Just some of the ones with just him, it seemed like he did more than what he was supposed to. Yeah. I thought that there that, 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 that there might have been some times where, I don't want to say it was improv, but they weren't exactly the way that they were hashed out on the, on the page before yeah. they went in there. And I thought, it, I thought it made it feel natural. Yeah. 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 I dug that. Um, any other actors that you recognized? Uh, the Victor guy, I thought I recognized from somewhere. I'm thinking Victor Maitland, the bad guy in this, might have been the uh, Russian commander who took Rambo yes. hostage. Yeah, because the thing in the middle yes, of his forehead. Yes, because the thing. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Okay, that's where, yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, well, because his little forehead thing he's, is he's very specific. Bump on his forehead. You're like, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yep, definitely that was him. Any other actors you think you recognize? No, but was there someone that you think I should? I'm not sure that that that, that you should. So, um, uh, Billy, the young cop in training. Okay. He's an actor. His name is Judge Reinhold. Okay. okay. Judge Reinhold was actually in Stripes. He was one of the guys one who signed the, up, and I wish I could remember what he what he said about that. But he, but he. Oh, I, I think I do remember that. Now. Yeah, like when they were on the bus place, kind of going to it. He yeah, said something. Oh, is he the one who said that he brought the drugs? Maybe I think so. Yeah. Yeah, um, but Judge Reinhold is also in Seinfeld. He is the close talker in Seinfeld. That does ring. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen the Close Talker. Well, I've seen a couple or like some right. Seinfeld, but not all of it. Right, um, and the lieutenant, Lieutenant Bogomil, okay. of the Beverly Hills Police yeah. Force. He, I mean, his 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 like face right. kind of looked familiar, but he also looks like a lot of people. Right, I don't, you don't know him yet, but you will know him because he's a he's in RoboCop, okay. which is coming up pretty coming soon. Up pretty I feel soon. like we got to get to RoboCop pretty yeah. soon. Um, and so you to finish out the comedies, do maybe ten or, or you know, yeah. nine, nine or ten. Although then. you know, you can argue whether or not it's funny. Think about this movie. Maybe think more about RoboCop, but whether or not we, we RoboCop is a comedy because it's not pure action. There's yeah. some there's some stuff about that. So 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 we'll have, we'll have to think about that. We'll, we'll have to decide. Right. Yeah. And then in a, in a, in a tiny cameo, um, the guy who gives Axel the bananas. Mm-hmm. Um. He became a famous guy. His name is Damon Wayans. Really? He, the Wayans, they had brothers. So Damon Wayans was sort of the first one to become famous. And then Keenan Ivory Wayans and Marlon Wayans. They were all comedians. Marlon Wayans I've heard of. Really? Just the name just okay. rattled off. Right. So they did movies. They, they had a show called In Living Color. And In Living Color is actually a sort of a sketch show, kind of like Saturday Night Live. And that's actually where Jim Carrey got his okay. start. Um, but anyway, sort of going down a rabbit hole with that. But I will tell you that... Um, the sort of tough guy thug, Victor Maitland's right hand man. I feel like I feel like he's been he's like been the, the tough, tough guy, guy thug, thug and yeah. right, you know, he's in, in whatever. I mean, so. his face is pretty perfect for it. The kind of like dull face. Yes, yeah. dull. I think that I think that's I think the really really good good word to say. Um, so, uh, oh, and um, uh, Serge. Okay. Okay. Serge. That was a pretty funny bit that they did. Yes, well, well, I want to get into the bit, but I have to tell you, um, his name is Bronson Pinchot. Okay. Okay, and there's two stories about Bronson Pinchot. One is, uh, he went on to be on a uh, sitcom, which I believe is called Perfect Strangers, where he is from some random Eastern European country, and he comes in, 
and he gets together with his uh, American cousin and uh, hijinks ensue as they tend to on half hour sitcoms in the 80s. <laughs> um, uh, a second story about that is in Pennsylvania, uh, as you drive along between Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you'll see a sign uh, that says Gifford Pinchot State Park. Gifford Pinchot is a great okay. So your mother and I always say Bronson Pinchot State Park. <laughs> Just because Bronson Pinchot and Perfect Strangers. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, a little bit of family history there. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about that scene because that was a funny scene mm-hmm. with uh, Serge. Yeah. Right? But I might argue that it's it's a little bit dated. That that it's... it's uh, I might argue that it's making fun of both foreign folks trying to speak English. Yeah. And potentially homosexuality. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of things in this movie that were a little bit dated. Yes. You yeah. know, not like too dated like we saw in Kentucky Fried Movie. Whew. Yeah. But we, like yeah, yeah, definitely. some things that were a little bit dated. Yeah. So what else did you see that maybe might, if they'd remade Beverly Hills Cop, they might have done differently? Well, the one where he, to talk to Victor in the club thing, he, he like... Pretends to be gay. Yes. To talk to him. Right. And then... That was the, like, most outstanding... Right. ...one. I also thought it was interesting. Um, the one I thought, how well it aged or, or how edgy it was, um, when the second pair of cops come on to follow Axel, mm. and one's black, and and he doesn't talk black enough for Axel and Axel gives him a little sort of how to talk black lessons. I thought that was interesting whether or not Mm. how edgy that was, how that would play in 2019. Yeah. Um, But that was also sort of his character too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean... But you can blanket statement a lot of things in that so you don't want to go... Right. But it was definitely right. I mean, one is the tough cop from Detroit and the other is the guy from Beverly Hills and he's got the suit on and so... But I just, you know... I, I saw that and I thought, oh, I wonder about yeah. that. I wonder what... Well, I think if you, you know, made a lot of movies from the 80s, you know, into movies now, you would change a lot of things. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. Like, from some of the ones we've seen, you know, prior to this, too, you change a lot Including of something that I, that I noticed about things that have changed is... You may not have even notice it, but when uh, Victor goes into the art gallery and sort of asks Jenny about whether she's seen Axel, she's smoking, mm-hmm. right? In 2019, if you're smoking, you're either uh, a bad guy or you're yeah. trying to cope with something. That's true. Or you're, you've made a mistake and that's why you're... Like, smoking is a sign of evil or weakness. Or defeat. Or, yeah. or defeat, or right. But this is this just This was smoking. like, well, it's 1984. People smoke. It's not a character flaw. Yeah. It just is. It's just, it just, it's a character thing. Yes, yes, that's right. And you also wouldn't be smoking in the multi, you know, billion dollar gallery. Of yes, art. yeah. Smoking in the art gallery is probably not Probably not the best. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, any other stars on your paper? I, I know you like to write stars on yeah, the paper. Um, I sort of said, like, you can, with... Teddy Murphy's character, you can sort of like see, see past all of his, you know, he like messes with people to where he actually does care about finding who killed Mikey. Definitely. You know, and I think that that's a big point where he is humanized. 
Yes. As opposed to just being like a clown, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I think is cool, is they make it so that he is an actual human and he does human things and he cares about stuff. Right. Where before, like, well, with his character, you could totally make it where he doesn't care about, you know, like, actually finding the truth and he just wants to sort of have fun with it. Right. But the way that they made it in, in like, certain scenes where, where he actually does care, you know. I agree. And... I thought it was a neat scene. Uh, this is going to sound like a weird segue. A neat scene in the strip club, um, but they they showed that he was actually a good cop. Too. Yeah. But before that, we hadn't really seen any policing you skills. Really see him doing but that. you see him, and he picks up these guys out of the corner of his eye, and he tells Taggart, right? And mm-hmm. so you're like, oh, okay, he's yeah. really he's, yeah. he's sharp. Yeah. And then that was a plot point going forward, where he's actually like a good cop, and he knows what he's doing. Right. And and I think, kind of going into like the end of the movie, like the final scene is really cool. Yes. You know, because he's it's it's like kind of like a old western almost. Uh huh. The way that it shows the gun first, and then it shows him walking around and stuff like that. Yeah. Which was cool, you know. And I thought the blood trail after he got shot, I thought that was a mm-hmm. neat little neat little trick too. Neat, yeah. Definitely. Like that last scene was really cool. The, just kind of the way that they staged it all out, it was definitely like. It was good. They had enough time paused where, you know, gun bad guy gun trained on female hostage, good guy gun trained on bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. Where where it was enough tension yeah. to draw it out. Yeah. But it wasn't but it wasn't and, too long. And and then same when um the you know, the thug sort of has the shotgun and then yes. you can't see him on screen. Like That's right. The, that's you right. Know, they were building up. Definitely. Which was cool. And I think leading up to that, it's funny. It talks about how it puts together the comedy action mix, um, right? Billy and Taggart trying to get over the wall. Just some old school physical comedy. Just, you know, the dun, 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 Yeah, dun, dun, dun. right. But, but all, and then like, um, you know, you got this 10 car cop car pile up. Yeah. Right. It was, like, it was funny. It's action with the cop cars coming in, but then it's kind of funny that they're all running into each other yeah. front to back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think, I think it did well, but it, but it wasn't drawn out where we thought that there was a laugh track being put in. Mm-hmm. It just. It, Which made it feel natural. Right. It just. It, like. If they had a laugh deck in there, it wouldn't be half the right, movie. It right. Was. It just it just took took a little break from the tension of the of the gun shootout, mm-hmm. and I mean even you know Taggart and Billy, Taggart and Billy actually is an interesting relationship. Yeah. That you get to see grow. Yeah. Over the time, you get to see Billy grow and Taggart grow, and re- they learn they go from just this sort of bumbling guy who's being led by the mentor to really respecting yeah. each other. And yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, it's, it's funny. I, I'm now remembering that they made a Beverly Hills Cop 2, which of course they did because Beverly Hills Cop made a lot of money and it was a large success. Um, was it any good? Well, I don't remember. I'm sure, I'm sure I saw it, right? I remembered, again, I've probably rented Beverly Hills Cop since 1984, Mm -hmm. but certainly not in the last 20 years, but I remembered a ton of it, which to me made it, made it it was really good, man. It was, it was a classic, man. But I remember nothing about Beverly Hills Cop 2. I hmm. mean, including like, you know... Maybe it was the again, sequel is never as good. Right. If you yeah. ask why they made it, the answer is money. Yeah. But there, there was zero plot points that was that was undone. Mm. I mean, the, ba- the bad guy's dead. He can't 
plotted revenge. Maybe it was like the James Bond, or there's a new villain every time. Right, exactly. And so why, why Beverly Hills, right? Um, asking a question about the beginning of the movie. Okay. I thought it was pretty stark about that opening montage going around the city of Detroit. Uh, yeah. About how terrible it made Detroit look. Yeah. And I know... It was, it that, was, it was like, why does that matter? Right. Like, right. You, you spent all of 20 minutes in Detroit. like. Right. And we, we know without having to be shown that Detroit's different than Beverly Hills. Yeah. We, we don't need the... I, I just... I thought it was a little bit much. It just seemed a little bit like... You know, like, badly put, sort of. You know, like, you can show a little bit of Detroit. Right. And then you can do the same with Beverly Hills. But you don't need to, like, you know, show off the worst of the worst. I would argue it maybe got a little bit racist, too. Like, it kept Yeah, going, a little bit. But, you know, black folks doing not very productive things. I was yeah. like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go to Beverly Hills and show, show white people doing, I wouldn't call it productive, but, but doing Rodeo Drive things. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that that may have just been what they were, like, that probably wasn't the, the, the like, thing they were going for. No, I don't think so. But they I, just sort of, like... Right, again... It, it just came off that way. I, I, I don't think there was ill intent... But I think just given a different lens. Yeah. And then also to not even have anything but the pictures of Detroit. Right. You know. It it just sort of seemed like they were just showcasing it instead of like putting it in the actual movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. By the way, I'm thinking about maybe getting you a Mumford Phys Ed Department t-shirt. That's a good t-shirt. Just because, I mean, you could wear that, and and I wonder... Actually, people would probably think it was the Mumford & Sons phys ed department yeah, shirt, and they wouldn't even get the reference. Wouldn't even get the reference. Probably your friend's parents would get the reference. Because I certainly saw that in my mind, said, oh yeah, the Mumford yeah. phys ed department shirt. But that was totally the like classic, what you would think you'd be wearing look, you know? Yes. Like, baggy sweatpants, baggy, you know, like sweatshirt, and then the... Like PE department. <laughs> yep, yep. I love it. I love it. And then that was sort of what he wore the entire time, which was cool. It was the entire time. I mean, I know it was like a two or three day thing, but he pretty much had that on the whole time. Yeah, which I thought was cool though. It's it it was sort of like it it like sort of showed that he just was sort of doing stuff all the time. Right. And right. then also that he just sort of like. Didn't care. Right. You know. Jenny might have worn three outfits, three but outfits, he had the one. But he had the one. <laughs> and and then he, he also sort of used that outfit to his advantage. You know, like he like tricked people because they thought he was looking all, you know, not well dressed. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Final thoughts about Beverly Hills Cop. Final thoughts. I really liked it. Yep. It was funny. It was well done. And they just did a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I definitely want to um, find other Eddie Murphy stuff for you just to show you more Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. because it's it's good. Yeah.
that was our discussion of Beverly Hills Cop, the movie that was actually good and very funny and recovered for our mishap that was The Last Dragon. The fact that you even brought up The Last Dragon gives me chills, but fresh off of Beverly Hills Cop, I still feel good. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast, that really helps us out. If you would like to leave a review, that would help us out even more. We've got a Gmail and a Twitter that you can find in the show notes. Uh, if you are familiar with the podcast, you know that we play music in and among the podcast. This week, we did not go with our usual number one song at the time. First, because the number one song at the time was bad. But more importantly, because Beverly Hills Cop had some good songs on the soundtrack. We opened with The Heat Is On by Glenn Fry, a classic in anybody's uh, canon. In between the segments, we had parts of Axel F, which played quite a bit during the uh, movie itself. And we're going to go out with The Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. Thanks for listening.